Season 1, Chapter 7, The Barn Whose bread I eat, his song I sing. German proverb. The Barn He stared down at his plate of food. His stomach wanted no part of it. The bread, the gravy, his glass of now tepid water, everything reflected the same fluorescent green haze of the diner. He couldn't eat, but that problem wasn't new. He'd eaten very little over the past year and a half. An hour passed. He sat still, expressionless, seemingly hypnotized by the din of local chatter and the hum of the rotating dessert case. Drab-looking pies and puddings turned slowly, each one sporting what looked like a whip-topping made from ipecac syrup and despair. He had come here hoping to bolster his strength and ready himself for what lay ahead. Instead, he moved his coleslaw around with his fork and sighed the slow, agonizing sigh of the damned. I can't do this anymore, he thought. Are you going to eat that or paint with it? Startled, he looked up to find Evie hovering over him with a pot of coffee. What? He struggled to form a sentence. Never mind. Refill? He nodded affirmatively and pushed the coffee cup over to her, letting her fill it for the fourth time, or maybe it was the fifth time. He'd lost count. He wanted a cigarette. He'd been procrastinating, praying even, that maybe the snowstorm would make the drive impossible. He needed an excuse, anything that would allow him to forget the trip entirely and just go back to his hideaway. His space was small and dreary, but it was located far from the shadow of the farmhouse. His house, once. More time passed until he exhaled, tossing three five-dollar bills down onto the counter. Standing put him off balance. He reached for the red vinyl bar stool and steadied himself. His brain was twirling, but he knew from experience that the sensation would pass, and so he waited. Vertigo, heart disease, cancer, these are things that can make a room spin. But he'd canceled his lab work appointment at the clinic because he knew the real cause. Thank you, Clyde, Evie called out. But the old farmer never looked back. He had a cigarette on his lips and nearly lit before he reached the exit, eager for the sweet rush of nicotine that would help to calm his nerves. While he puffed, he used one arm to clear the snow that had already covered the truck. Then he pulled his emaciated frame up and inside the cab. Within seconds, the diesel motor growled and clanked to life. He'd used up nearly two hours in the diner, and now... It was dark. There was a time when the darkness meant the end of a satisfying day, a good day's work. Then it was bath time and story time, and then time alone with his wife. Good times. A young couple walked past him on the sidewalk as the truck continued to idle. Ash fell from his cigarette down onto his lap. He cursed the dark, he cursed his burden, and they cursed him back. He maneuvered the truck out of its spot along Main Street, swung the wheel around to the left, and headed west toward everything he dreaded. He knew the road by heart. Back in the day, with his young family beside him, he'd made the trip countless times. There was church on Sundays and cider deliveries. 
They were hard-working, God-fearing people. They had goals and dreams for their apple farm, for their son. They saved and worked and made sacrifices. They sent him to college. They expanded the orchard. They paid their taxes. They'd done everything right. So why was everything so wrong? I'm not going to stay this time. I'll just do a quick check, just make sure he has what he needs, and then I'll leave. Nearly 40 minutes of driving passed before the road gradually narrowed. He'd begun his ascent up toward the little white farmhouse, up past the cemetery, past the apple trees that had long since become an overgrown mass of gnarled fingers. He remembered scolding the boy for his half-assing the late winter pruning. You should be able to throw a cat through those branches, son. You gotta do it right. So help me, gotta do it right. He put the farm in the market several years ago, but he never thought it would sell. Nobody did. Much too soon, the truck arrived at the top of the hill. Normally, on these eerie errands, he would park back in the shadows and then kill the headlights and walk, undetected, up behind the house to the barn. But tonight, something was off. Both the front and side doors of the house were pinned closed with well over four feet of snow. He drove closer, just to the top of the driveway, and strained to see past the foreground of falling snow. Fat snow, his boy used to call it. No lights were on in the house. The chimney was still. The rusty white Subaru was gone. The place was dead. Maybe she went away for the winter? he asked out loud. Not wanting to take any chances, Clyde slowly backed the truck into its usual hiding spot and cut the engine. He slid down from the cab and made his way through the deep snow around to the truck bed. There, he grabbed a shovel and flashlight and then patted his left coat pocket. A nine-millimeter pistol knocked against his ribcage reassuringly. The windchill whipped through his baggy jeans, antagonizing his 80-year-old bones. But it didn't matter. Pain was the least of his worries now. He repositioned his blaze orange hat down over his ears and turned to start the arduous walk along the perimeter of the yard, just along the tree line. Now he was sure that something was wrong. His eyes were glued to the house. She was always home, definitely not the type to go away. And then a horrible thought came to him. Oh, no, please, no, he prayed. Finally, the proximity of the barn cut the wind, allowing the farmer to catch his breath. Negotiating the deep snow had exhausted him, another reminder of how fragile he really was. Clyde moved closer to the enormous wood structure and groped along the wall until he located the long, iron handle of the barn door. He leaned against it until he felt it roll to the right, and when there was just enough space for him to slip through, he moved inside. He fumbled, hurrying to illuminate his metal flashlight. The slender yellow beam was no match for the thick blackness of the barn, and its presence only helped to make everything outside the light feel sinister and oppressive. The familiar smells of the barn were there. They were always there. But now he smelled something else, something pungent and troubling. 
The flashlight nervously scanned left and right, right and left. Abram, are you there? The question was unnecessary. Well, hello there. It's been a while, hasn't it? A disembodied voice swooped forward from out of the inky void, pressing Clyde back against the wall of the barn. It came from all directions, and yet it was only a whisper. Well, I'm here now, checking on you like I said I would, Clyde stammered, trying to steady himself. You've said lots of things, and now look at us. The whisper was close to him now. Clyde could feel it on his face. What happened to the woman, Abram? Remember, we made a deal. Oh, come on now. You don't really want the answer to that question, do you? Besides, I'm done making deals. Nobody can help me, not even you and your ridiculous gun. So I'm helping myself. The smell of decay was overpowering, and Clyde's lips pursed reflexively. His greasy hands pulled the flashlight across his chest like a shield. The light pointed uselessly now up into the rafters. Are you going to hurt me too? After all we've done for you? The frail man's question hung in the air for several seconds, and for a moment he had hoped that Abram had left him. Who's we, hmm? According to my math, you're here all alone. The whisper bounced around the barn and then landed like a spider on Clyde's hand, causing him to flinch. Clyde swallowed hard. He felt sure that Abram was listening to his heartbeat. The voice continued, I'm relieving you of your caretaker duties. It was naive of us to fight this. Abram's gone now, and you're being silly, weak, and careless. The weak ones are the easiest to pick off. Isn't that what you taught me? Dad. Somewhere deep in the blackness of the barn, Abram laughed and then cocked his head hard to the left. It made a cracking sound. What's the matter, old man? Not feeling chatty tonight. May God have mercy on your soul, Abram, the whisper answered back. Nah, I don't think so. Clyde turned for the door and stumbled out into the night. He was no longer concerned with hiding. He moved past the blank windows of the empty and frozen farmhouse, past the doors held closed like a wintry tomb. He ran down the long, snow-laden driveway toward his truck. Praying, calling doctors, bargaining, begging, he tried it all. There was nothing to do now but protect himself, and that is exactly what he intended to do. The Barn Written and performed by Bridget Emmons 
Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Main Stories and visit my website at BridgetEmmons.com. Thanks for listening.